Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to SEO 101, your introductory course on search engine optimization. So, turn on your computers, open your minds, grab your mouse, and get ready to get back to the basics. SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm is now in session. Is now in session. Hello and welcome to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm. Episode number 357. This is Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and my co-host is John Carcutt, the Director of SEO for Advanced Local. Well, my friend, it is now 10 years since uh, we had you on the show. That's amazing. 10 years. <laughs> I can't believe it, honestly. <laughs> yeah. And just think, podcasts are just now taking off. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, it's like we, we seem to have a knack for picking them right when they, things, when they start up. Just like right. we all started back in the SEO years. Exactly. Hmm. Well, it's been a fun 10 years. It has. It has. And today, we have a bit of a special show because although we have a bit of news to cover, we're mostly covering questions. And we got a lot of them. Thank you, everyone. A ton. We're quite active in our Facebook community, so that's great. And we're even going to cover some that have already been answered in the Facebook community, but we want to make sure everybody else that's not there knows what's going on in Facebook. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so... First of all, the Google June Core update. It's big and still rolling out, according to Barry Schwartz on Search Engine Roundtable. Mm -hmm. um, so I've done a little reading on this too, but I know you read a little more. So tell me a little more what, you, what you've seen. Well, uh, apparently it's, there's, there's not a lot of detail about what was impacted as far as you know what's causing the fluctuations, but there's a lot of fluctuations. People are seeing some really big gains. Some people are seeing some really big losses. Um, the Daily Mail was interesting to me because it's a, a, it's a newspaper publication. It's been around forever. At once, it was actually the largest news website with the most traffic on the internet. Um, apparently, it lost 50% of its organic traffic within 24 hours of the June core update and 90% of the Google's discovery traffic, which is really interesting to me. I've, I've been focusing on Google discovery for, for a couple of weeks now because it's actually driving significant, significant traffic for us as well. Mm -hmm. um, 
So that that was interesting to me. Um, so how does one focus on Google Discovery? Um, the Google Discovery reporting search uh, console. But no, I mean, like, how do you increase your chances of being found in it? Well, it's mostly news sites. Okay. Um, there's there's not too much content. There's a little bit, but not much content outside of news sites. So you really need to be um, qualified for Google News to really be found in Google Discovery. That's at why this I don't point. know much about it, I guess. <laughs> I was like, yeah. hey, what the hell is this? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't have any news clients. Well, a couple of fledgling ones that are starting up, and I will have a lot to learn, but just the same. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, so it's very interesting. I, I think it's something we are going to be keeping an eye on this this core update. Um, it hit June third, which was uh, Monday of last week, from when this airs. Um, so hope, hopefully, by the time uh, a week or so passes, we'll know a, a bunch more about what it's impacting, what impacts it, um, and maybe next show we'll have a more some more details to be able to share with you. But it's something yeah. to be keep an eye on. Definitely. And, and even Danny Sullivan, um, who's still wigs me out, but, but anyway, he's, he's the rep for, or one of the reps for Google, um, has stated that this is a core update. So this is definitely going to be noticeable to people. Yep. <clears throat> so uh, sure. this is not just a, oh, there's some changes. This is a fairly significant one. Yeah. I can tell you on our sites, we've, we've been pretty flat. It hasn't impacted us plus or minus at this point. Hopefully, if it does, it'll be on the positive side. But so far, we're, we're good here. So, Yeah, and, and you, know, you and I were both saying it most of the time, we, well, you, you, you would feel it more often if it was news-related. But I'd say maybe once a year, we see one of our clients get negatively hit by it. But most of the time, it's all positive. Yeah. It's just the benefit of following the rules, I guess. Um, and just ensuring that you create great content and then you're following all the best practices for SEO, which is our, our tenant that just, it works. So Absolutely. why mess with it? All right. So next up here. Oh yeah. So this was kind of cool. Um, Google is now letting uh, restaurants and customers add or edit popular dishes. Uh, again, this is a good old Barry Schwartz post that I noticed. Um, it's it's kind of cool in that uh, you know if you have a particular favorite haunt and you want to share one of the dishes you like, um, you can do so. Uh, you can take uh, uh, you can add your your dish using uh, your Android device by opening Google Maps, entering a restaurant name in the search bar, then uh, in the business profile tap menu and then add. That's where you add a photo of the dish and then the di dish name. Um, it, there's also a similar path for um, iPhones, I, I believe. But at this stage, there wasn't shown here in the example. So this, um, is, this is only on mobile? Yes, exactly. Okay. And the cool thing about this, obviously, it's it's going to be taken as a suggestion, like any change. Um, you, you can't guarantee it'll show up. But uh, and especially if you're editing someone else's key, you can, you can actually add to or edit uh, particular dishes as well. I can imagine that getting a little out of hand. Uh, mine's a better picture. No, mine is. And <laughs> it's just changing all the time. It could actually end up being a bit of a, uh, a nightmare for Google to manage in terms of uh, reviews or sorry, um, quality control. Uh, so we're going to have to see how that plans out. Hopefully it's not butchered by spammers, but <laughs> right. yeah. Well, they're already Google guides anyway. So they're spamming their own photographs and all that stuff in there anyway. So yeah, <laughs> if anybody really wants to do that, it, it's, it's not hard. This, it isn't. It's sad. It's, it's yeah. full of, of spam these days, but 
overall, I think what they're doing is a good thing. It's just they just need to ramp up a bit um, some of the improvements in the terms of moderation. Um, and I haven't been on top of this, but I've noticed a number of articles and discussions about you know, what 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 might go paid in Google My Business. Maybe there's going to be some. Could there be some features in the future that Google will add that you need to pay for to get the benefit of? Um, then at least if they do that, they're making some direct, well, more direct money from it. <laughs> and maybe they'll get some, um, they'll be more interested in finding people to moderate. Well, at least that way, if they do do add paid features, it could reduce the number of ads we're starting to see in, in local local searches, which could be. <laughs> yeah, we can hope. Yeah. I don't know. It, I don't trust Google to reduce ads ever. <laughs> <laughs> not if they can keep them. Not, not anymore. Not since, you know, they were, they became public ages ago. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, if they can keep it up, they'll keep it up. But uh, I'm a big fan of taking photos of, of food when I'm at restaurants and stuff. And, and they get a lot of views uh, as, a, as a local guide. Uh, I think they're kind of cool. Um, I know I look at them when I go and look at a restaurant and it's, it's kind of fun. I've only, I think I've only posted like uh, five or 10 photographs you know, in reviews for businesses over the past forever. And, you know, most of them get a handful of hits. I've got one though, that has over 125,000 views. Yeah. It's amazing. Isn't it? Yeah. One of the ones that I never ever thought, I, I thought I'd give this a bit of a test and here's a tip for others out there who are trying to improve their local guide listing. Um, I just walked around town on my walk. I did just, just to get out of the office and I started taking pictures of storefronts. And then one day in front of the TV, I just added them to all the stores. Um, and one of them for flipping nail salon, it just exploded. <laughs> I don't know what was, it's, it's got so many views. It's insane. And it's the most viewed fit picture. Um, it was an easy way to build points from my local guide profile. It was yep. kind of fun. I didn't even realize half the places that I walked by. Um, yeah, it's kind of neat. So, and it's all about points in local guides and the more you get the better perks you get sometimes they get a free movie here and there um bill, bill, bill hartzer just hit a hundred thousand points in level 10 wow yeah that's he, a lot and he, he posted his stats of what he did he had to post over ten thousand photos like twenty nine thousand reviews it was a huge number of stuff that he did it took him years to do of course but it was interesting to read the number of stats the different types of things he did to get up to ten thousand points huh. i'll have to check that out that's really cool yeah. I, I enjoy it. I'm not fanatical about it. Some people are. Some people in, insist upon doing so many that they get invited to the Googleplex every year for their big celebration slash yeah. meetup. And I think that would be neat. Don't get me wrong, but I don't have the time for it. Um, yes. uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess if I had a goal, I'd be able to do that someday just at the, the rate I'm going, but I, I doubt it. What the hell. All right. Let's uh, jump into the next topic here. Man, I have got too many windows open <laughs> right. some Mueller files it is okay all right why don't you hit it here while i try and bring it up again uh Mueller files john Mueller um answered questions about a negative seo attack um this is one you added and i'm gonna open it up and read right. it because i haven't read it yet yeah really what it was is someone was worried about the fact that they may have been attacked um using a negative seo and he, his counter was that you know, for the most part, they do a good job of filtering that out. Um, he so, says he sees very few people that have actually been hit by negative SEO. 
So here's the actual question is my website gets hundreds of links that seem to be spammy. I suspect that maybe uh, one of my competitors is trying to decrease my rankings. Do I need to keep disavowing these links week after week or should I only be worried, worried if I get a natural links manual action, which is actually a pretty good question. It um, is. Yeah. Um, John's specific response was in general, we do automatically take these into account and we try to ignore them automatically when we see them happening. For and then the, the next part is what I just mentioned. Yeah. yeah. And for the most part, I suspect that it works fairly well. I see very few people with actual issues around that. Um, so I think that's mostly working well. So he didn't answer the question so much. He didn't tell the person yes or no. Um, uh, um, but, but essentially he does later on. It's a fairly long article that rambles a bit here. But and then that's sort of how these these live chats can end up too. He says, with regards to disavowing these links, I suspect if they're just normal spammy links that are popping up for your website, then don't worry about them. We probably figure those out on our own. Um, if you're worried about them, regardless if it is something that you're not sure about, you're losing sleep over, um, then use the disavow file. But don't, you know, one thing I thought was important here, the disavow file is not an admission of guilt. Um, you're just telling our system these things should not be, these links should not be taken into account for my website. Um, but the one thing I want to get to here is, um, on the other hand, there's a point here that I liked. Um, yes. That said, we have the disavow tool. So separate, uh, here, I'll read the whole thing. I think for most websites out there, pretty much the really, <laughs> the largest majority of websites, you don't need to use the disavow tool. That's why we have the disavow tool separate from the search console. So you don't get tempted to use it because it looks like the normal part of a search console. It's really something you should only need to use in extreme cases. I had to cut out a few words here and there just because it was a little wordy, but that's, that's the key here. Only use it in extreme cases, unless you're losing sleep. <laughs> it's not going to hurt you, but just only use it in extreme cases. Um, and you'll save yourself a lot of time too. It's a disavow file. It, like Google's gotten good and is finally doing what we told them to do from the beginning, which is just ignore the crap. Yeah. That's how much time it would have saved people if they'd just done that from the beginning, but no, they had to penalize people and by making them work hard on this stuff and fix things where I don't think there was any need for that. It was vindictive, I thought. All right. So, so next up. You're saying they're being evil? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you know, they don't, they're not evil, never. Mm -mm, no way. Well, they took the do not be evil thing out of their mission statement, so now they can be. Yes, exactly. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to start on our first round of questions. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. What if you had access to analytics from the most visited sites on the web? Think about real-time sales and signups from Amazon and Netflix, stats and engagement from Slack and HubSpot, all on one patented platform. That's Nacho Analytics. Nacho is perfect for details on your product design and development, instant for influencer info, and fantastic for real-time financial figures. Level the playing field today for your business with Nacho. What are you doing? All this nacho talk got me hungry. Level the playing field today for your business with nachoanalytics.com. Seriously? Boring. It passes before it's noticed. 
a slight rising of the eyebrows, a widening of the eyes. It may be accompanied by an almost imperceptible inhalation. The heart adds a beat like a quiet exclamation point on the experience. Within a tenth of a second, the reaction has passed, but not without leaving its mark. Someone found what they're looking for. Does your website deliver impulses to act? It can. Intended Consequences is the podcast for digital marketers who see their job as changing hearts and minds. If you're frustrated, bored, or in a rut, it's time to spread your wings with me, Brian Massey, and my guests. Find out how successful, curious, creative, and data-driven marketers are making a difference on purpose. Visit IntendedPodcast.com or find us where you get your podcasts. Intended Consequences. Marketing on Purpose. There are over 70 million active podcast listeners in the U.S. WebmasterRadio.fm reaches them all with the largest global distribution of any online business-to-business podcast network. We can target and place your message in front of those active listeners immediately. Now, your message can be delivered with less commitment and investment on over 20 hours of weekly original content hosted by the most respected names in digital marketing. Thanks to an exclusive private offer available for a very limited number of companies. But you must act fast. Email brasco at wmr.fm and get your message delivered now. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm, hosted by John Carcutt, the director of SEO for Advanced Local, 10 years now, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. Yay, 10 years. Okay. Nice. <laughs> so the first question here is from Ian Cunningham. Ian, thanks for posting this. We had you actually listed, um, actually the next three questions we, we had listed in one of our previous ca- uh, broadcasts. We just didn't get to it. So thanks for your patience. It says, hey, Ross and John, how can I tell if my website's hosting is the issue with page speed? How do I know if it's a big enough effect that it needs to be changed? Uh, to preface, sort of clear that up for any listeners that, guess what's happening is that the site has had issues with page speed. Um, uh, it looks like uh, the, the site isn't running fast enough. He's wondering whether or not he'd need to switch hosting providers or upgrade his account is sort of how I would interpret this. Huh? Well, the first thing um, I look at is I use uh, GT metrics uh, or one of the other proper tools for testing site page speed and site speed. And one of the aspects of it is they look at, uh, what is it? Server latency. I forget the term for it. Um, and it actually tells you just how fast your server responded to the request. When I see that being high, that's when I get concerned. And in in the general rule of thumb, unless you're on some kind of amazing plan that I've never heard of, if you're in a highly shared environment, you've got very cheap hosting. I mean, I'm talking 10, 15 bucks a month quite likely that you could do with an upgrade if you, if you have a site with a fair amount of traffic. Yeah. And if there, there's a, there's a, there is a tool out there that's, that's really quick and easy 
catcher. It's called Bitcatcha, B-I-T-C-A-T-C-H-A. And basically, you put your domain in, it checks your IP address, and it does the, the, the response times for you. You can go in. There's ways to go in and do response times. It's if you're if you're a geek and a code head, you can do it. This is a website makes it really easy. Um, I just pinged one of our sites. And it basically says, congratulations, you have exceptionally quick, gave us a grade of A plus and told us in the U.S. West Coast, we were at one millisecond, U.S. East Coast, we were at two milliseconds. It does London, Singapore, Canada, Japan, Sydney, all these different places. So that's a really easy way to tell if you're having a, you know, a problem with server response times. I like that. I have not heard of that before. So I learned something new too. Yep. I got an A plus for step forth. Yay. Very good. <laughs> Um, I'm going to use that more often, I think, for some of my other stuff. So, hey, that's cool. I like, I love good tools. Yeah. Um, all right. So, Ian, that's that's generally how I go about it. Um, and then, yeah, a simple upgrade to the hosting package is sometimes worthwhile. Um, if you wanted to, you could always ask. I don't know whether you're going to get a good a good answer about this though, but ask your host to provide a few examples of sites that are currently on those plans, and then test them and see whether or not they're gonna be a much of an improvement. And, and something else to keep in mind too, if, you're, if, if your site is important enough to your business or you make enough money off your website, think about getting a dedicated server. Or semi-dedicated. Or semi-dedicated, but dedicated is definitely the best way yeah. to go if you wanna make sure that there's no other sites that have any potential of, if someone does a, a denial of service attack on another site that's on your server, it's gonna slow your site down too. That kind of yeah. thing. Just keep in mind a dedicated server that's of fairly good quality is going to be it's well expensive. over a hundred dollars. It's yeah. you know, 200, $300 sometimes. Um, in terms of semi-dedicated, you can usually get them in the $50, $30 range, which is respectable for a small, medium-sized business. Yeah. If you're talking larger than that, then yeah, I think you should go dedicated. And then don't, don't get confused. We're talking dedicated or semi-dedicated servers, not IP addresses. Yes. Definitely want a dedicated IP address, which is just is not too expensive at all. Um, it's But that's a completely separate thing than a dedicated server. Right. All right. So I hope that helped you, Ian. Thanks for the question. Uh, next question here is from Peter Knight. I know Ross mentioned on mentioned keeping an eye out for SEO apps on a lifetime deal. And there's currently one at PitchGround called SEO Tester Online. Um, he's wondering whether or not that's uh, a very good one. I didn't do a dig into this. I was hoping I would get a chance to, but I didn't. Uh, I saw a mixture of discussion about it. And one of the questions I thought was a really good one is why would I bother buying this if all the tools available within it are actually available separately for free or close to it? And I, when I looked at the tools closer, he was right. This person was right. Most of them appear to be available elsewhere. This thing just amalgamates them all. Uh, which is kind of a sneaky way to, uh, you know, bring in a little bit of cash. Um, and I applaud them for that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, there is a benefit to having it in one place. And um, the, the, again, the, the title of it's called SEO Tester Online. I have no objection with mentioning them because I think, hey, if some of you guys want to go for it, go for it. It's a lifetime deal. So you only pay for it once and you get access to it. Um, but just don't expect a lot from what I've seen. Um, again, I, Cap, the, the caveat there is I have not tested it myself. So stepforth.com tests on this site a 75.6 out of a hundred. Hmm. Um, one of the things that- I don't like it. 
Yeah. <laughs> Don't one use of, it. <laughs> one of the things that always worries me about these kind of tools is people tend start relying on them too much for their SEO. All these automated tools, um, they only are as good as the programmer who wrote them and how, so, you know, it's just data. You have to understand the data and what it means. And these tools, people rely on them way too much to be their quote unquote SEO analysis. Um, it's just providing data. Um, just be careful when you're doing it. All right. Um, ooh, Ross, not, not good here. You only got a 33 out of a hundred on title coherence. Oh brother. Do we know what title coherence means? It does it have anything to do with SEO beats the heck out of me. <laughs> yeah. I'd say it's questionable. Um, I've seen better ones in the past. I've seen some really bad ones and I even got suckered into trying them. Oftentimes when you buy systems like this, it's also an investment when they first launch and they're offered at this lifetime rate, they're usually fledgling and they're not very good. Um, you're, buying in as kind of a hope and pray that it's going to become something worthwhile in the future. And I've had a few take off and I've got lifetime memberships for them, which is pretty damn cool. I'm saving a ton of money. Um, but <laughs> it depends just how addictive you get. I spend a lot of money on these and I'm sure that I kind of break even in the end um, if I'm lucky, but uh, I enjoy it. And I, and I know I've, I learn a lot about different ideas out there and different tools and different ways of leveraging the net. So I find it useful. Nice. All right, Peter, I hope that helps a bit. Um, again, not the best example of one I'd suggest, but uh, for the price, you can't hurt to try. Yeah, check it out. Mm -hmm. Next up, a question from Zena Scott. What is the best hosting package for speed? What do you think? Hmm. This is actually pretty interesting. This came up because I just did this research this week. My sister's looking to um, redo her website and she wants to take control from the agency she's using. So I'm going to help her set it up. So I was looking up hosts. I found a couple of different um, research studies where people actually compared hosts specifically for WordPress in this case, um, compared hosts. And they compared all kinds of things around reliability, uptime, speed, and all that stuff. And every single one of them picked Bluehost as the fastest host. Hmm. So for my research this week, Zena, that's, that's what I can tell you. I have no affiliation with them. Just that that's what I found when I was doing this exact same research. Bluehost um, seemed to be the one that was on the top. And you were not reading an affiliate article. No, not reading an affiliate <laughs> article. I have, I have learned the difference. My wife taught me that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so, eh? Um, okay, so and my personal experience has been, um, I've been very happy with Word, uh, WordPress Engine, WPEngine.com. That's uh, where we keep all our sites. Um, and our backup for people who don't have a lot of money per month for small business has been SiteGround. And that's been good too. Um, SiteGround certainly not perfect, but uh, uh, I think a higher end package like WP Engine is better. Uh, but, you know, it's all about budgets and what you think you can handle. Yep. Okay. Thanks, Cena. Next one is actually next couple are from Dale Alorenshaw. Thanks, Dale, for posting a few questions here. It says, After, afternoon all. I was hoping to grab your thoughts on something. One area I always struggle with is location-based search terms, i.e. dentist in whatever city what sorts of techniques do you guys feel work best with location-based search terms is it creating as much content with the location mentioned in it uh specific lotion location-based links 
All other search terms are not doing too badly. It's just location-based and I'm scratching my head a bit. All right, well, obviously you mentioned dentists. So my other business is fully focused on dental marketing. So I'm in, in this all the time. Uh, and the answer is not always simple, uh, especially in really competitive areas. Uh, oftentimes the, the holy grail for a dentist is, uh, or any local business is to be found not only the area they exist, which is good old Google My Business and creating a lot of signals in your area that you are um, officious and you have know, reputation worth ranking for, um, but you want to be found in the outlying areas, which gets more difficult because often there are uh, competitors that are in those areas that really legitimately should rank or, and frankly do rank ahead of you. Um, how do you beat them out if they are actually there? Um, and in many cases, this is not a short-term gambit. Um, I don't see it happen very sh short-term unless the, the other guys are doing, it, doing their job, which does happen. Um, in those situations, um, yeah, it's, it's just a matter of ensuring you've got some content built around it. Um, I know one of the people who uh, replied to you, Dale, was uh, mentioned having kind of like uh, location-based landing pages. Uh, as long as those are done really well and don't look spammy, they can work. Um, I like creating uh, location-based pages that talk about this, you know, uh, the services they offer, maybe a little bit about the county or city or whatever it is that, that you're discussing, plus provides reviews specifically from clients in those areas. And you can, you can create using the proper reputation management and review management system. You can segment people from specific areas and find their reviews and post them live. Um, it, it, it looks good. It looks very good. And it is something that Google doesn't seem to have a problem with. And it, it and it also offers value because it does show that you do actually do business in those areas. I think one thing to keep in mind is uh, way back, geez, this was a while ago, during the pigeon update, what was that, five, six years ago? Ugh, I don't know, it's so long. The, when the pigeon update hit, one of the main things it did is it created two different categories of authority and relevancy on a website. You have topical authority and relevancy, and you have geo authority, geolocation authority and relevancy. And if you're doing really well on the um, regular search terms, but not the geo-based ones, you probably have a lot of good topical authority and relevancy, and you're, you need to work on building your, your geo authority and relevancy. And that includes both content on the site around the geo, as well as not just citations, but links from geo-specific type of uh, um, sites that are linking to you. So I think both those things are important to build up that authority and relevancy on the geo side of the site. I also think there's a big difference between whether you have a site that's focused on one location or multiple locations. There, that you have multiple locations on the same site, it makes it a little bit more difficult to build up geo authority on all those different locations. One location on the site is a little, it's a little bit easier to do that. Um, Another tip you might want to go check um, your Google My Business listing. Towards the end of last year, they stopped letting you do like like you mentioned, Ross. People want to get the, the the surrounding neighborhoods and the surrounding cities as well. And people used to be able to put in a radius, you know, twenty miles around my my business. I want to be mentioned in that kind of thing. They stopped allowing that radius. It, you can't even do that anymore. You have to go in there and put in the actual. Um, zip codes or city names that you do business in. And if you haven't done that for this site, that might help you 
target some of those, give you a little bit more authority in those geo areas. If you go in and actually add those city names in your Google My Business. Yeah, and the other part is building links in the areas that you are targeting that you don't have a physical location. Um, and in that situation, you may find it beneficial to join the, that area's chamber of commerce, really authoritative areas uh, or authoritative websites um, where you can gain a link uh, that they, they uh, <laughs> you know, I've, I did that for one of the technology companies in Victoria, I went for our company and it was amazing that the, the hit, the, the boost in traffic uh, and, and visibility. I mean, uh, it's, they, they have a lot of cloud. So consider that Better Business Bureau, the same idea. Okay. All right. Oh, that's a start anyway, Dale. I know there's a lot more to it uh, at times. It depends on a lot of on, on the the situation as well, how competitive things are. Um, uh, and when it gets really competitive, you may be beating your head against the wall to try to get those rankings. But um, And I've been there. <laughs> Actually, there are right now at a couple of clients. It's very difficult, especially with really competitive terms like legal legal, legal departments and, and such. Or lawyers, they're vicious trying to get in there. And you see a lot of spam as well, people putting in virtual um, offices as their locations, uh, which Google's getting slightly better picking up. But frankly, there's a lot of spam that's getting by. So, um, you know, there is the black hat route to go. Don't recommend it because I, I just wait for the day for it all just to bite everyone in the butt. But uh, sadly, it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, there's a core, core update coming that's going to hit you one of these days. Yep. Yeah, if we can hope. I mean, I, how long have I been saying that? Yep. <laughs> it's, just, it's a little embarrassing for Google. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, the next question from Dale. I have an SEO client who I've been working with for a couple of years. Out of the blue, they've told me we are having, they are having a complete redesign of their website and switching hosting providers. I'm meeting them at the end of the week to discuss SEO moving forward. I was wondering, what are some of the questions you would ask or information you would want to gather regarding a website that is changing to changing host to ensure a smooth SEO process? He notes that he's not the host, the original hosting provider. It's just he manages the SEO. For example, I know their domain is going to stay the same, but it will be a complete redesign, restructure, and their CMS is going to be changed to a custom CMS build, similar to Expression Engine. Oh, God. Whenever I hear custom CMS, I want to run. What key questions would you guys ask and what information would you want to pull from them? Great question. Dear goodness. Um, well, there, there's one main question, of course, right off the bat, you have to ask, are your URLs changing? And the yes or no to that question will completely dictate what your strategy SEO your, your SEO strategy will be moving forward. And generally, if it's a CMS, different CMS build, you could, that's a, a high chance. Yeah, it's, it's, almost, it's almost a guarantee it's going to change. But yeah. sometimes, even if they're not changing the CMS and they're doing a redesign, they might be reorganizing their site as well, putting, you know, we want to streamline the navigation, which could also and most likely would change URL structures as well, those kind of things. So that's, that's the key question right off the bat in my mind. Yeah, my mind's reeling. I get in these situations and I end up having to go back and look at past situations where I've done this because it's usually a lot more than you think uh, in terms of stuff to consider. Well, let's hit some of the basics though. Um, so if you're, first of all, don't do it all at once. Um, I, would, I would move hosts before the new site goes up um, unless there's a reason that host won't be able to support the existing website. I hate doing everything at once because if something goes wrong, it's very difficult to determine what might have caused it when there's just too many variables. Um, then 
I would want to see too, what kind of sites are doing well, what that existing content management system, maybe they've got some examples of sites that rank well. There's often with these custom ones, there are not always, but they're often sort of chinks in their armor and you want to know what those are so that you can forecast uh, during the design and make sure that you can make up for them. Um, what other thoughts come to bring to mind? I'm, I'm I mean, thinking. with the custom thing, I would make sure that it's an open source code yeah. platform. <laughs> so and you don't see this as much as you used to, but with custom, you never know. But the, there used to be some CMSs that were compiled code, which means that there was no way to go in and change them unless you had the original source code of the, the, the build of the CMS, right? Um, you don't see that much often because most, most CMSs are built in like PHP, or um, something that's an open open source code. If it's custom, you kind of have to ask that question. Make sure that it's not compiled code, or that you're never going to be able to fix the problems. Yeah, and we acknowledge that you don't have control over this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. This is, this is coming at you no matter what, and I, those are bad situations. Um, I often try, if there's any chance to, to get the client to take a step back and go, "Do you really? Are you really sure you want to go to proprietary?" Because uh, if you work on that sort of platform, you're stuck. As soon as that site's designed, they're going to be really difficult to leave that company. And oh, yeah. uh, there are good ones out there. Um, but it's, I would say there's less good than bad. One of, one of the things that really I've, I've run across a couple of times in this, when they say redesign, you know, typically you think, oh, they're going to change the look and feel and maybe the navigation somewhat, but the content's pretty much going to just move over to the new site. I've seen when they say redesign, they mean they're changing everything. They, I had one last year sometime that had probably 10,000 pages on their website that were, you know, and a good 60% of them were providing some kind of traffic. They had a board of directors meeting. The board of directors said, we want to pick our top 500 pages and only use those. Get rid of the other 9,500 pages. All the <laughs> right? How could that go wrong? <laughs> yeah, to, that, to, to them, that was a redesign. So you got to make sure you talk about content with them. Is the content changing at all? Are you, are you restructuring the content? Are, is this an opportunity for look at dead weight pages and get rid of them? Because there's a good opportunity in some cases where there's pages that are actually dragging the site down that are low quality, um, thin content that, that you can address at a situation like this. Um, this would be a good time to address that type of stuff. So, Another thing is check their roadmap. You know, what are they working on? What, what improvements are coming down the pipe? Do they look like they're constantly improving upon this content management system? Um, if they don't have a roadmap, uh, that's something to be concerned about. Um, I find that once they have you, they're less interested in updating them unless they're a proper company. <laughs> and I say that because I've dealt with so many that are not. Uh, you, you need to ensure that this is going to be a, a good long-term investment because good Lord, it is. Yeah. <laughs> You're stuck. And there, there, there are a lot of little things when you're switching CMSs, like one CMS might um, automatically update XML files as new content's published. It, it, you know, if the new one does that, great. If it doesn't, that's something that needs to be addressed. Some, some, you know, if you're switching hosts as well, make sure that the host is, is handling 404s and backslashes and um, HTTPS versus non-HTTPS and all that stuff, handling it the same way. Um, you, know, you don't want to have that stuff change on you and, and not realize it. 
right? You know, it's, it's funny. I never expected so much of my business would end up being um, caught in the, the morass of switching over sites. I mean, we, we spend so much time. It's probably one of the more technical parts of our job these days is moving yeah. hosting for clients. It's so not simple. I mean, in some cases it's fairly simple, but most of the time, because we we're, we're cursed with the knowledge about, you know, what can go wrong, we're paranoid and we're checking everything galore during the steps. And I think it's a good service, but it's, it is, it is an amazing amount of our job now because <laughs> there are so many ways it can go wrong. You know, and one last point, at least from my part is here that make 100% certain that this new CMS is focused on mobile. Oh yeah. It, that's not common. It's really not. Most of them are still designed to do really well on desktop and have mobile as an afterthought. It's got to be the other way around. Um, and it's not going to be very easy to find that. Uh, I'm, bet, I'm willing to bet that and you're going to find some issues with that. And then it's, it's up to you to educate the client before they, they take that full-on leap. And if they have taken the leap, uh, that gets a little and, more awkward. I guess, I guess, Dale, here's the other thing I would highly recommend you do. Talk to your, when you talk to your client, make sure that they allow you to get into the site when it's still in the development stage and do an audit before it launches and before it transitions over to make mm -hmm. sure you find any problems um, prior to the launch. Um, make sure that you're involved in the transition strategy between the old version of the site and the new version of the site, but do all that stuff prior to the launch. Um, just, just to save yourself a nightmare. Jeez, we could do a whole show on this, couldn't we? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so much. We've been through so much now. All right, well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have uh, a lot more questions to answer here. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. All right, guys. I want you to come up with an ad for a patented platform that lets you see any company's analytics accounts. I'm talking Amazon, Tesla, Netflix, etc. You know, see their sales and stats in real time. It's called Nacho Analytics. Tim? Nacho, regular analytics company. Charlotte? You can tap into analytics of major companies that don't want you to know how they're performing. Right. And you can also check the traffic and engagement for any influencer on any platform across all platforms. Tim? Okay, let us help you grow your business. Bailey? So it helps you jump ahead in the concept and development stages so you can build your product better and ahead of schedule. Absolutely. Nacho Analytics lets you see anyone's analytics in real time. Tim? You'll be wondering, where has this company been my whole life? Tim! Sorry. Sales, subscribers, and stats all in one place, and the data is totally anonymous. Holy guacamole, that's good stuff. Ah, uh, now you have me making puns. Let Nacho Analytics level the playing field. What will you do when you can lift the curtain on the internet? NachoAnalytics.com do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. 
the Web Marketing Association is now accepting entries into the 2019 International Web Award Competition. Sign up now at www.webaward.org. Web Award winners receive an image plaque, certificate of achievement, higher visibility for your company, valuable feedback from our expert judges, and links to your site from the highly ranked Web Awards site. And winners go to, well, you'll have to see for yourself. You can't win if you don't enter. Deadline for entries is May 31st, 2019. Go to webaward.org and sign up today. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm. The 10-year edition with John Carcutt. The director of SEO for Advanced Local. And myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. All right, next question is from Neil Maycock. I've been doing SEO for 12 years now, but still have times when I get stuck. Don't I have we 30, all. Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> I, I, this really sang to me, this question. It yeah. says, I have 35 clients at the moment and three just aren't moving. I've had this before and either they have moved after an aha moment or sadly, me and the client have just decided it's not working out. Honest question. What's your tips to not taking this personally and concentrate? Self-esteem wise that over 90% are flying and not concentrate on that 10%. And number two, when you are stuck, what priorities do you concentrate on to get the site moving again? I'm not after any of my ego comforting, just tips to being able to move out of a funk and move into action. Oh man, I know this dude. Um, <laughs> we, we have a couple. We almost always have two clients that are like that. Um, I don't know what it is about the two. It seems to be two on a regular basis. And we have about, you know, 50 clients or so. Um, and they are a bit soul sucking, aren't they? I mean, you try everything. Now, I have to say in many cases, not always, but I'd say 95 percentile, um, the clients tend to have lower budgets and aren't really following through in everything we're asking them to do. Because it is a partnership in many ways, especially these days. You know, they have to be doing, like building proper reviews. They have to have an excellent reputation. Um, if you've asked them for, you know, updated imagery, if there's there's a, there's a lot of stuff that to add to Google my business. I'm thinking locally here, um, but there are a lot of steps required that they need to be responsive on as well. Um, and I'm not pushing that's on them, but oftentimes there is an issue there. Um, in other areas, sometimes it requires getting another opinion. I know if you have another SEO, you respect, um, it may require that you, I've had other SEOs hire me to do this, um, and I, I've looked at other ones and asked, I've asked, asked John a few times to look at sites. I'm just like, what is it wrong with this? What's wrong with it? I can't figure this out. It's good to get another set of opinions. We've looked at stuff too long and it, it, it we start to blur. Yeah. And I told Neil when he answered this, I answered him. I think, I don't think there's an SEO on the planet that's honest that would say that they've been able to help 100% of every client they've ever had. No way. We've all had ones that just, just no matter what we tried, nothing happened and i was really glad to see neil say that you know sometimes he just has to talk to the client and, and you know kind of say there's nothing more i can do i can't figure it out and instead of just keep sending them a bill every month without doing anything helpful for their business he says i'm sorry i can't help you and they, they break off the relationship which is the much more the much 
better way to deal with that than just keep sending in invoices and, and wasting their money if you're not providing any value for their business. But I, I think he's doing pretty good. If he's got if he's got 35 clients and he's only got three that are that are stuck, that's a pretty good ratio in in most cases. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I think with nor I think I would suggest it's a normal ratio unless you're yeah. talking about clients with huge budgets, small medium sized businesses. This is a very common issue. Um, right, right. It's but you know when you're talking enterprise level, very I would say it's a lot rarer, wouldn't you? Um, yes, I, I would just because they tend to have more content to work with. They have more content, they have more budget, but a lot of times they're not willing to spend the budget because yeah. they want to spend it in something like PPC where they can see immediate results. It's hard to get them to understand the long-term aspect to SEO, but I think more and more of them are coming around. And even then, um, to your point earlier, the large enterprise clients, it's much harder that sometimes to get them to do the things you ask them to do. Yeah. Because they have, they have development teams that have all these different priorities on their plate and responsibilities and get and you're asking them to do xyz to fix the seo um, and their ceo is asking them to add something new it's going to be months before they even look at your seo stuff yeah right? never mind legal yeah never mind legal exactly so <laughs> there's the different challenges at every level of this for sure and for those that were listening i should have clarified legal means in many cases they have to run everything through their legal department before a simple change you can even it can't okay. even happen when you want to just change a word on a freaking flipping page. It's just so torturous. I knew a guy. I knew a guy who was doing SEO for one of the big pharma companies, and the big pharmacy companies. Every single thing has to be run through. Through yeah. if you wanted to change a, a, a meta description on a single page, you had to have legal review it, sign off, which usually took two or three weeks before you're allowed to change a meta description on a page. We've done a number of campaigns for the big big guys, and it's been kind of funny. Honestly, <laughs> it's just, wow. It's, but, it's but, but I think your advice, Ross, is, is dead on when he's, he talks about when you're stuck, what, what process, priorities do you concentrate on to get the site moving again? I think your advice of getting a second opinion, if you've been working and working and you can't get it to move, get someone else to look at it. You know, put it up in one of the SEO groups on Facebook or wherever you happen to commune with people around SEO. Say, hey guys, I'm stuck. Can anybody give me a hand? And man alive, are there some generous people? I mean, I try to be as generous as I can, but I don't have a lot of time. Yeah. There's some guys, I swear, I don't know how they get anything else done. <laughs> They're just so nice. They're, they'll go and do an audit with you live. It's oh, amazing. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the better ones is the SEO dojo. I really think they're just phenomenal people there. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's a great one. I'm in there all the time too. Uh, and that's on Facebook for anyone who wants to look into it. SEO yeah. dojo, just great people. Um, I think, uh, our community has turned out pretty well too. We're trying to help as much as we can. I think, thank, thanks to John here for jumping in a lot. I'm not in there as much as I'd like, but, uh, yeah. I tagged you to try to get you into one comment the other day. and it I just... saw a tag and I'm like, damn it, I can't get to it yet. <laughs> it's just, it's so hard. I've got already lots of people asking me through email. So it's, you know, you got to pick your battles. Um, but I do want to, and I'm going to try my best to get in there more often. Um, one other thing I was thinking about, um, I think when it comes down to running into these issues, instead of just, saying, I'm sorry, I, you know, I, I just going to stop doing this. I don't want to waste your time or money. Another option is, I mean, we certainly say that too uh, in rare circumstances, but I always suggest who they should go to next. I try to anyway. I try and say, okay, you know, there is another person I would suggest that might be able to, you know, 
hit another level above me that could help you out. Um, and they, they usually appreciate that. Yep. That's very true. Good comment. All right. Next question is from Jeff Ashton. It says, my web developer has told me he doesn't have any experience in correcting Google Search Console issues. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I chuckled too when I read it. How do I find such a person? Perhaps I should have mentioned earlier that my site is on Joomla. Ah, okay. Well, we won't say anything more about that. Um, I will. Just give me a minute. <laughs> um, okay first of all the way i look at it when we do seo we would be lost if we didn't have a developer on staff <laughs> i have a developer on staff staff and he's phenomenal and he takes instruction really well he's got enough skill now after so many years that um he he knows how to see read between the lines when we ask him to do something but it's critical because an seo just doesn't most SEOs don't have that level of technical skill when it comes to um, correcting various uh, site structures in different platforms, such as Joomla, Magento, WordPress, you name it. Um, and it's, it's really helpful to have someone who's technically minded like that. Um, so, you know, I would suggest finding a person uh, through um, one of the WorkShare sites um, or networking in your local area. I actually found one of my, I just turned to be one of great, a great, great friend. And, and it's been with my company now for 11, 12 years. And he's based out of the Ukraine. Um, Dennis is amazing. So, you know, it, I don't know whether I lucked out um, in terms of how hard it is to find someone like that. I know I did luck out, but I don't know how hard it is to do that. Uh, but build that relationship. It pays dividends a huge amount. So, so for me, this this kind of goes back to to, to the idea that his to Jeff's developer told him outright he doesn't have any experience in correcting Google Search Console issues, and maybe this is just because of the wording of Jeff's question and on the on the Facebook group. But there's lots of different types of Google Search Console issues. Some of them are as simple as making a quick adjustment to a robots.txt file. You know, oh, for yeah, him to give him a blank statement saying, I don't have any expertise in correcting that stuff, tells me, A, he doesn't know what it is and he's just trying to get out of doing some work, or B, you need a new web developer. <laughs> yeah, because it is, it's very true. And I, I should have tackled that first. I mean, my first impression was, yeah, just move on um, because there's just very, there's a lot of questions there. Yeah. Uh, it's, this is, you know, changing breaking broken links. I mean, for Pete's sake, that's part of Google search console. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to, to, to not dumping on the developer too much, cause we don't know the full situation and Jeff may have just been really concise in the way he asked the question. But if, if he's just telling you blank that he's not going to deal with any of your Google search console issues, that's a problem just in the relationship you have with that guy, because there's a lot of very simple, basic stuff that any developer should be able to tackle. There's some complex stuff in there too. Don't get me wrong. I can understand some developers not having the skill, but that's another point of maybe your developer needs, you need a better developer. If he doesn't have the skill to do the stuff that's in there, you might need a better one. Yeah. All right. I hope that that helped Jeff. Um, sorry, we can't just pass the name along but <laughs> uh, and, I, and, I, and I do want to say if you have any opportunity Jeff get off of Jubila <laughs> yeah. it's it, it's I guess it's gotten better but it's it's to me it's it's like 
one of the most difficult sites to work on when it comes to SEO. And it's, you can do it and it could get better, but it's a lot of time and effort to make you, exactly. in my opinion, really optimized and, and search friendly. Yeah, we've definitely done it. We've made Joomla sites rank, but it was always way more work than it seemed necessary. Yeah. Uh, so keep that in mind. Uh, next question is from Jacob Fitzpatrick. He says, I've got a client in the civil engineering industry. His company just acquired another civil engineering firm. He wants to slowly decommission the company's site he, he acquired. Both sites are very basic with a home, about us, and services page. My question is, what's the best practice for redirecting the acquired company site's domain? Hmm. Okay, well, I guess it depends what you're talking about here. And he does give a few options. He says, do I redirect all pages to the homepage? Do I redirect to the corresponding page? Or do I redirect to a new page with information about the acquisition? All good points. Mm -hmm. I think it partly comes down to what you're trying to achieve. Um, I, think- I would generally send them to the homepage unless it's an extremely comparable service. Um, I don't know. What, what are your first thoughts? I, th- I think the first thing I would do was look at doing a backlink analysis of the new, the new acquired site. If there's a sensor small um, sites, but that doesn't mean they don't have any search equity from, from links. So if he's got a services page that, that offers a similar, the same service that you do, and he's got a ton of search equity to that page, you want to redirect that page to your corresponding service page just to, to leverage that equity into that service that you that, that you offer as well, right? So there's a little bit of work ahead of time that you'd have to do really in my mind before you make that decision. It's, I don't think it's just a blanket. You do this or this. You got to do a little research behind the scenes. And it could be that he has no link equity and then Raj, you're dead. I'll just send it all to the homepage, right? Or you, know, you could do the page about the acquisition too, but you know, if, if, especially if there's zero link equity. But you got to understand what you're sending where, and you're not just sending the traffic from from the old site to your new site. You're also sending all that backlink equity, and you have to make sure you send it to the right place. Yeah, I agree, and and I think there's going to be a, an, another instance where a particular page may have been performing really, really well. Let's say an article or a um, a, uh, <clears throat> a guide. Let's use that as an example: a guide to a particular service or 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 something. Well. If you have the same guide on your other site, or if you don't, make sure to move it to your the new domain and then redirect to that because you want that page to continue performing really, really well. And that link juice will help you do that. For sure. Yeah. Otherwise, that would be a massive evaporation of, <laughs> of benefit and that'd yeah. be a shame. Okay. Um, wow. It's amazing how many big questions we got here. Okay. So next one is from Carl. I am the web designer and mixologist for a brew pub. I create videos on making better cocktails at home and do interviews with other local businesses. Ah, cool. We are, we are going to create a blog on the website for these videos, transcribe them, and even add more written content about creating the best burger, etc. I have a web personal website where I want to put content about all the stuff I do, cocktails, videos, web design, etc. Basically, a website resume. What should I do when I want to add the videos from the brew pub and make them into blogs on my website? I'm missing a question. Missing well, a question so, so, so there's two things I personally want to say here. One is don't create a blog. 
create a section on that site about videos. Oh yeah, resource. Yeah, yeah resource section. The problem with the blog is it's, it's what, I, what I like to call transitional navigation. As you keep adding new posts, it pushes posts deeper into your site, which means more clicks to get to those posts, which means it loses equity from the domain of the site. So as you publish new content, the older content actually loses strength as it gets pushed deeper, deeper into the site. For something like this, I'd create a resource section to put to, to post your videos and your interviews and that kind of stuff. And that way the navigation stays relatively static and you don't have to worry about it moving deeper into the site and losing strength. Um, second of all, your, your question about what do you do when you add the same videos and content onto your site? Um, if it's just a resume for you, I would rel equals canonical and back to the, the, the uh, actual business site, right? Because if it's, if it's just kind of a resume for you, people aren't, you don't, Gonna, people aren't searching for a video about how to make a certain drink. They're searching about you and you want to show your information, which is great. So you can have that information there, but rel equals canonical is back to you where you really want the organic search traffic going, which is the brew pub. The other thing I would do um, with, you could do that. I think I would, I'd prefer doing is doing a snippet. Um, if it was an article, I would do a snippet and then link to the main article to read more. Um, along with maybe a bit of a, a, a personal outline about what you did to create this content. You know, it's supposed to be a resume, right? So about um, the reasons why this is a great example of your work. Um, if there's a blog, I'm mean, sorry, a video, you can embed a video easily enough, um, say from YouTube or whatever system that it's being um, delivered from without causing any issues with duplication. Um, and then link to the page again, where it was originally sourced. Uh, then you, you're you kind of winning all levels there. You yeah. can't can't hurt things. Ross is just trying to make more work for you. You can just replicate it and rel equals canonically. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I think it's higher quality my way. Um, <laughs> yes, it's plainly more work, but it's better. Bo bo both options would work fine and you wouldn't have any issue with either one of them. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and this next one's directly to you because apparently my opinion doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, so Ian Cunningham <laughs> asks, um, how, how do you compete with local SEOs who use PBNs, which is a personal blog network and don't get caught? Cause this is personal blog work networks are definitely a, a black hat, dark, 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 dark gray hat. Um, a method of building links. And the question was to John Carcutt, it says. Well, yeah, but I'm letting you answer too, so I left that part <laughs> out. Now you can't answer. I just want to add, I wanted to add some context to what I just said, that's all. <laughs> all right. Um, and he goes on to say, it seems tough to match the authority they build. Well, what I would do, would, is it will get me in trouble with a lot of the people in our industry, but I would, I would uh, report them, get, a, get their PBNs taken that's down. That's what I would do. Absolutely. There's, there's no reason for them to be able to cheat. If you, wanna, if you wanna do it ethically and do it right and they're doing black hat techniques, there's no, in my book of ethics, there's nothing wrong with turning them in. If you know who they are and you know where their sites are, point them out. You need a level playing field. And the first yeah. thing I do is level it if I can. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, if, otherwise, if the PBNs are very strong and they're not caught, you really will have very difficult time doing anything. Yeah. There's not much you can do about it. No. Um, uh, that said, if you do manage to outdo them, whoa, when those get taken down, and hopefully they will, 
you're going to be kicking butt. <laughs> That's oh, yeah. the question about it. <laughs> um, cover all of the bases like we talked earlier. Um, you know, I think uh, one of the more powerful methods has been building those local links from powerfully authoritative uh, associations, uh, such as the Chamber of Commerce and Better Business Bureau. I'm, I, I should state that I'm not a big fan of the Better Business Bureau due to a lot of issues they've had with um, in the past. I won't get into that, but uh, they do have a lot of clout. Um, and, you know, by local, there's often, uh, I know in Victoria, they've got one uh, that's um, you can join. It's just all about buying locally. And it's great. It gives a lot of exposure as well. These are all places that Google trusts as signals um, that you are in their local area, and it makes a significant difference. Um, Absolutely. Anyway, you can guarantee those PBNs haven't done that. <laughs> yeah. So that might just it just might push you over and, and get you those those that visibility you need. But definitely first um, inform on them. And, uh, and don't stop doing the work you would normally do if those PBNs didn't exist, right? Continue mm -hmm. to do everything you would normally do for a site because even if you don't turn them in, the odds are fairly good that at some point those PBNs will get um, identified by Google and devalued and your client will just jump everybody that's using them. All right, last question is from Advit Childers. He says, my boss wants to make small text edits to our newer blog posts. We're using Divi on WordPress. I suggested that it would be higher value to use our limited resources to make big improvements to our older blog posts so they have all the great SEO features of our newer posts. Our older blog posts, before I came on board, are very rudimentary with no thought for SEO. Our newer posts have lots of SEO-friendly touches and features. In terms of SEO, value to the visitor, is it better to spend our limited resources updating the newer or older posts? The older posts get a new publication date after they're improved. Uh, we'll get to the related question after. So, so I do want to point out, this is the post that I tagged you in that you never answered. So now you get to answer it. Oh, <laughs> well, there we go. Um, well, my first, my first thought would be uh, yours, uh, right, on, right in line with yours. I would go and work on the older ones. Um, I'd be cautious about changing the post date, especially if those blog posts um, are not relevant today. Um, blog posts are typically meant to be date oriented, date specific resource sections are more, you know, evergreen. Um, so maybe uh, this could be an opportunity for you to move some older content into an evergreen section, such as resource uh, and, and redirect them and then boost them, you know, create better content, um, add those touches. I think that would be an amazing step towards improving your whole site. Uh, those, older blog posts get buried and frankly just you know it's difficult to give give google any uh, well think well think attention. about the think about the old blog posts right they're deeper in your site and we talked about this just a few minutes ago there's really only two ways to build authority to those deep posts if someone links to them directly mm -hmm. some authority the other way is they get authority from the main domain as it filters down the site so if those older posts don't have any external link equity coming in, the only way they're getting any equity is through the navigation. And the, the older they are, the further the way they are from the homepage, the less equity they have, the worse they're going to do. So working on those posts, making, giving them all this SEO content and stuff is great. But if they don't get any equity to go along with that, it's not going to help. Yeah. Repackage them. 
Yeah. I think putting them in the resources section would be a good way to do that. In fact, you could make it into, you could probably break them down into little, um, not eBooks, but kind of uh, sections on specific types of content. Um, like for example, if it was a marketing site, one section would be all Facebook related. Um, now, obviously that stuff would be outdated. So maybe that's not the best example. We're talking about evergreen stuff here. So um, if it was uh, uh, a hardware site um, or a home improvement site, let's put it that way, how, you know, closets, another one might be bathrooms and have tips and things like that in there. And, and you know, these become really powerful generators of, of shares, um, commenting potentially if you want to enable that. Um, and also you can then start referencing them from blog posts and other content, creating that inline link into those areas. And then they start to generate um, some real benefits to your sites. And it's not a lot of work, but it is, it's certainly not a simple thing to do either. Right. And, and Abbott, uh, you've got it easy. I'm working on something very similar on, to, to try to propose for our news sites where we have hundreds of thousands of pages that are deeper into the site like that, which is kind of why I'm on this role recently, um, that I'm trying to figure out how to, 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 to resurface if, they, if, they, if we can. It's, it's a challenge. But it's, it'll be well worth the benefits if we can make it work and if you can make it work. Yeah, great. So, Advait, um, one thing that um, you mentioned here is a related question we just sort of answered, but I'll read it again. What are the SEO implications of a recent blog post within one year getting small text edits and an updated publication date? Remember that all our, all our recent blog posts have lots of SEO-friendly features. Um, again, I bring up the issue of the publication date. Uh, that's kind of uh, questionable. Uh, if because if you're updating the publication date, what's happened to that other URL? Are you reposting it? Um, if you're, I guess, no, it's the date. The URL is the same. It's just the publication date. So I guess as long as the content is relevant and up, you know, current, then you're fine. Um, but I still think what we just mentioned is the best route and that's repackaging it. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right. Well, that was a lot of questions and I'm really, really happy everyone's left so many questions in the community and it's, it's getting so busy. So all of you guys out there who are not part of our Facebook community, jump on board. It's, it's, uh, it's building quickly and, and I see lots of great feedback and input. Absolutely. And a lot of the community members are also jumping in. It's not just Ross and I, so there's a lot of voices in there that are, are really helpful. Yeah. Well, on behalf of myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and John Carcutt, the Director of SEO for Advanced Local, thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions you'd like to share with us, please feel free to post them on our Facebook group, easily found by searching SEO 101 Podcast on Facebook. Have a great week, and remember to tune into future episodes, which are at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, every Monday on webmasterradio.fm. Thanks for listening. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. 
any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of webmasterradio.fm is prohibited.